0: Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way you reveal uh, yourself. You reveal who you are and uh, and what you have done for us in uh, the Lord Jesus. We pray that you would soften our hearts again this week um, by your spirit. Now, just uh, that our hearts would be receptive to the truths of the riches of your of your gospel. So we pray that you would continue your um, powerful work in our lives um, through your word today and accomplish all that you intend for it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Today's reading is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which He put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens citizens with God's people
0: Hi friends, great to be back sharing God's Word with you. Uh, we humans are very good at building walls, right? Uh, literal walls, yes, but relational walls. Uh, walls between people, between you and me, between my tribe and your tribe, this group and that group. Uh, we're very good at it, but sometimes those walls can come down and that's uh, really lovely thing. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where the walls are taken away. I remember back in Sydney in 2000 when I was living there around the Olympics, was this really strange thing that happened. Uh, People down the street started to actually look each other in the eyes and even to smile and then they would even say g'day, Um, which was a really strange thing at the time. I mean, that's just life as normal in Victor Harbour. But in Sydney, it's totally bizarre. You you just don't do that. But uh, there was this lovely bringing down of the walls, bringing us together, all sort of united around this um, good thing that was happening Sometimes hardship brings us together. It felt like that to me earlier this year when COVID first hit or when the bushfires came. We were sort of all in this together. We banded you know, banded together in the face of adversity. But it didn't take very long uh, before Sydney went back to its suspicious head down ways. And it seems to me it hasn't taken very long before the old tensions that uh, have always been there are, have simmered back up to the surface. Uh, If anything, uh, our racial and political and personal divisions are are still there and are increasing. Uh, But what what, uh, the Bible says about this is that it's actually always been this way. It's always been the way ever since humanity has turned its back against God, ever since the first humans rejected God's good rule and in their pride and self-centeredness turned away from Him, that has flown out into how we relate to one another. We cut ourselves off from God, and therefore we cut ourselves off from each other. Um, uh, We heard last week the incredible news at the start of chapter 2 of what God has done in the face of that vertical relationship to to restore it, to bring healing and to bring life. Uh, We were dead in our sins and transgressions but God made us alive in Christ. Um, But what Paul shifts his attention to in this second half of the chapter is not so much that vertical relationship but the horizontal one Uh, What difference does it make being reconciled to God? How does that shape our relationships with one another? And it's huge and profound and transforming if we will hear and receive this good news. Uh, But in the first century, when the letter to the Ephesians was first written, there was one division that was deeper than them all. And that was between Jews and Gentiles, Jews and non-Jews. It was represented by an actual wall in the Jewish temple. Uh, The temple was like the heart of life and faith for Jewish people. And there was this wall there separating the Gentiles to the outer parts of the temple from the inner courts where only Jewish people could go. And there was even a sign on the wall uh, saying uh, to Gentile people saying, if you come past this wall, you'll be responsible for your own death. Um, So it wasn't exactly a welcoming place, a welcoming sign. Uh, But that wall was just a representative of deeper, a deeper wall Uh, between Israel and the world outside them. And the the surprising thing, as you read through the Bible's um, story, is that this division, this wall, was actually uh, a division that was created by God. It was a wall put up by God. He created Israel as a holy nation. Uh, It was a holy nation who were to reflect His holiness. Uh, They served a holy God and they were to be wholly separate, set apart from the nations around them. But they were always, that was always only a temporary thing. They were set apart from the nations for the nations. They had a, they had a purpose for that that was given right back at, um, at the start of their history with Abraham. God had made this incredible promise to Abraham that through his family, through his seed, all the nations of the world would be blessed. So right at the heart of their DNA of um, the people of Israel was this outward-looking focus that through them, God would bring his blessings to the nations. But by the time Jesus and Paul were uh, around, that seemed to have been forgotten by the Jewish people. The incredible thing that Jesus came and proclaimed and that gripped Paul's heart and changed his life uh, was this reality that in Jesus, that promise has now come true. That promise is fulfilled and now um, God is... Uh, bringing his blessing to every nation on earth. Now belonging to the people of God is no longer about one place and one, per, uh, one nationality. Uh, now belonging to the people of God is, is people from every nation and tribe and tongue and language coming through faith in Jesus to belong to this, to this people. But it was dealing with that transition uh, from the people of God in the Old Covenant to this new people that Jesus has created in himself It was dealing with that transition that was a big deal in the early church, and that's sort of in the background of our passage today. Now, we don't have the same divide and issue that we're dealing with, but this is going to flow out in in a really deep, powerful way to our our relationships with one another. So what Paul does for this church is to basically tell them to, uh, he urges them to remember, uh, to remember three things. He urges them to remember who they were before they came to Christ, to remember what Christ has done and therefore to remember who they now are. It's all about their identity in Christ and letting that shape the way they relate to one another. Remember who you were. That's verses 11 and 12. Uh, He says, Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. You can see that divide, these two groups. And, And Paul says, Remember you Gentiles... Uh, Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ. He paints a really, it's not a pretty picture uh, that Paul paints here. They're separate from Christ. They're excluded from citizenship in Israel. They're foreigners to the covenants of the promise, this great promise that God had given right back with Abraham. They're foreigners to that. They were far away, without hope and without God in the world. They were hopeless, godless. Uh, They were no hopers. And Paul wants them to remember that. That's interesting, isn't it? Why does Paul want them to uh, consciously call this to mind, to remember it? I think it's because it's easy to forget. It can be easy to forget. Uh, And perhaps, for some of uh, us, it's quite a recent thing in our past. We've recently come to faith in Jesus and we can remember vividly what it was like beforehand. Others have been Christians a longer time and it, it can be easy to forget. Um, But no matter where you are, whether you've been a Christian your whole life or just two weeks, um, this is the same spiritual reality. Without Christ, we are far from God. Without Christ, we are without hope and without God in the world. And Paul wants them to remember that. He wants them to remember it because pride is a great wall builder when it comes to relationships. Our pride, our sense of Um, Our own righteousness is a great wall builder and the gospel comes and smashes that wall down. The gospel comes and humbles us and we need to be humbled. Our pride, well pride is going to make you, what does pride do? It makes you insecure, it makes you hold on to grudges, uh, hold on to things that have been done to you. It makes you quick to take offence. It makes you look down and judgmental um, towards other people. And this uh, this is a great barrier in relationships. And when Paul is writing to this gathering in Ephesus, this church, helping them navigate this new situation that Christ has brought them into, he says, Remember the reality of what you were beforehand. You have no reason to boast in yourself. Um, Your pride is brought low, and that's a good thing. It's good and healthy for how you're going to relate now in this new community. He wants them to remember that and, in a sense, to be brought low by that. But then, not only to be brought low, but uh, then lift their eyes and be brought marvelously, wonderfully, brought up high uh, by what Christ has done. Uh, They've no reason for pride in themselves. But secondly, he wants them to remember what it is that Christ has done for them and in them and to them. And the great verse 13 is the like summary of that. But now, this is what you were, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The cross is the moment that reconciles people to God. And what Paul's saying here and what he's going to go on to say is that it's also the moment that reconciles people to one another in the most, the deepest, most eternal and transforming, amazing way that can't be found anywhere else. It reconciles us to God and to each other because Paul says in verse 14, He himself, Jesus himself, is our peace. Jesus doesn't just give us peace. He doesn't give us a program to pursue peace. He himself is our peace. And he has made these two groups, this great divide of the ancient world, he has made them one by destroying this barrier, this dividing wall of hostility. See, in Jesus, God has opened up the the doors wide for his kingdom, for people from every nation, every tribe. The hope of Israel that was there right from its beginning is now fulfilled in Christ and therefore the Old Testament law in verse 15 the Old Testament law is no longer in place it's set aside that law that defined the boundaries between Israel and the rest of uh, the nations is no longer it's been set aside the wall has been torn down Um, and and you see that right at the end there in verse 17 Uh, now uh, all of us are one new humanity Uh, Jesus has come and preached peace to you who are far away and to those who are near. Both Gentiles and Jews now come and have access, relationship to God in the same way, through Jesus. Verse 18, for through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. This is the peace that Jesus has created. The great division has been um, turned into unity uh, do you notice on the way through there, it's all what Jesus has done? He's the one who does it all. Uh, he has opened up all of this, uh, uh, created this new humanity in Himself. He's torn down the walls. He has made peace. He's reconciled us through the cross. And that, is, that means that our unity together is not something that we need to anxiously try and create. It's not something that we do ourselves. It's a gift from our Lord to us. It is something that has already been created. Uh, This is the reality. It's achieved by God, not by us. It's a reality that we're invited to participate in. And this is a really key thing uh, in terms of relating to one another in this new humanity, this new community that Jesus has created. Um, Who are you most united to? Who are you most united to in your church? Uh, Is it the person that you, the people that you get on most with, that you have most common interests with? Uh, Perhaps it's just the people who haven't recently offended you. (laughs) Uh, Maybe it's the people that you uh, just enjoy spending time with. Well, no, Paul uh, is saying here uh, that in Christ Jesus, we are all united in this incredible, eternal union. We are this one new humanity. We are united not just to people that are like us, not just to people who have the same cultural background as us, not just to people who have the same skin colour as us. We are united to all those in Christ. It's an utterly unique community. There's no other community like it. This isn't a Lions club or a sports club. Where you get together because of a common interest, or it's not a workplace where you go and do your bit and get something in return. Um, it's not like that at all. This is a unity that God has bound you into. There's a sense in which this is a, this is a bit offensive to our individualism of our culture, uh, where we think that uh, we're basically individuals who can choose what we like to choose and. Uh, We can sort of enter into and out of communities uh, according to our own sort of whims. Uh, That's This isn't the picture that you get here. This is a unity that you have been brought into in Christ that is already there. If you are believing in Jesus, you are a part of this new humanity, this new body, this new reconciled people. And what Paul does at the end there is is he, he He wants to lift our eyes to the glory of this new humanity in these last few verses. I'm so glad he does this. Uh, When when faced with this kind of potential divisions in the church, Paul doesn't just say, stop it. He doesn't just say, um, just be united. Uh, What he does is he he shifts our gaze uh, to the glorious reality of who we now are. He wants us to be captivated by this truth, by this reality. Uh, and he wants that to flow out into how we, how we relate to one another. And he says in verse 19, consequently, he uses, three, he uses three images to describe this new identity. He says, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens in God's kingdom uh, with, God, with God's people. So once they were far away, these Gentile believers, but now they are part of their fellow citizens. Uh, we've got numbers of people in our church uh, who have gone through the citizenship process, and there's a big difference between being a permanent resident and a citizen. Um, you can be a permanent resident without all of the uh, privileges, but as soon as you become a citizen, you you get all the privileges of citizenship in that country. Well, there's no there's no permanent residence in this new kingdom of Christ. Uh, there's no second class citizens. There's no if you are in Christ, you are a full you, you are a fellow citizen, you are included into all of the privileges of this kingdom. But not only that, you see what he goes on to say, you're also brought right into the very heart of the family of God. You're not just citizens your, your um, family members of the king, members of his household, verse 19. There are incredible realities that Paul's describing here. And he wants us to know that this is true. This is true for all of those who are in Christ. We are members of this new humanity, this new kingdom, this new family. And it's worth us really reflecting on that. Um, the, the the outflow of the gospel is that it will bind you together with other believers in Christ. Uh, sometimes you hear people say, I, I like Jesus, I trust in him, sure I'm a Christian, but I just don't like the church. Uh, that's completely foreign to... That, that doesn't make any sense for the Apostle Paul here. Um, and at its worst, that's actually an affront to Christ, who has who has died to create this new humanity, this new people, this new kingdom. Um, Being reconciled to God through Christ means entering this new family. It means being reconciled to each other in Christ as well and expressing that in a local church family. They're fellow citizens, they're members of the household of God. But lastly, Paul really keeps raising our eyes, and, and this is incredible, mind-blowing. He switches his metaphors to a building. It's a building, in verse 20, that uh, has its foundation on uh, of the apostles and prophets, um, uh, the, the, the foundational testimony to the gospel that we have now in the scriptures. Um, built uh, with uh, Jesus Christ Himself as the chief cornerstone, that the most important part that sets the shape for everything, and uh, that holds it all together. But this building isn't just any building; it is, it is, and it is a holy temple in the Lord. In verse twenty-one, in Him, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises. It's a building that's never finished being built; it's, it's rising and growing always, um, but it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Notice that this is in him. Jesus, in Jesus. uh, One of the most remarkable things that Jesus does, and it's recorded in the Gospels, is that he claims when he he comes, he claims to himself, uh, be the true temple. He is the true temple. The temple was the... Uh, like the symbol of God's presence on earth, where God chose to for his name to dwell. And in Christ, all the fullness of God uh, uh, dwells fully and permanently in him. Uh, he is the one who the, uh, has tabernacled among us. And in Jesus, we have the one who is the reality to which the Old Testament temple was always pointing towards God is now fully present in him. And here's where this passage is just, you know, it's mind-blowing. God is fully present in Jesus. But what Paul wants to draw our attention to here is the remarkable, beautiful way in which God is... This temple is not only in Jesus, it's not only Jesus, but it's also all those who are in him, who are united to him by faith. We also become... This dwelling place of God on earth, this temple, the visible presence of God on earth, the witnesses to this world of the grace and mercy and power of the one true and living God. The local church, friends, is not just a um, often unimpressive uh, gathering uh, it is this remarkable spiritual reality. This temple, the place where God is doing the utterly miraculous work of reconciling people to himself and reconciling people to one another. The miraculous work that can happen in no other place. Uh, there's no other program that can, can, can accomplish this. There's no other policy Uh, that can enforce this. There's no movement, there's no slogan, there's no philosophy that can achieve this. It is in Christ and in Christ alone that this unity has been accomplished and is offered to all people from every background. Uh, So friends, in our world that is just desperate for peace and for unity, uh, but just doesn't know where to find it, Here it is. Here is this gift, this precious reality. It may be that you know that you yourself are far away still, outside of Christ, are not trusting in Him. Well, you're invited to do that today, to enter into Him uh, and to enter into this united family of His, those of us who are already in Christ. The call here is for us to remember Um. This is not an easy thing to do, is it? It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, Paul calls people to maintain the unity that is there in Christ. He's going to go on later in this letter to do that. But he wants us here to remember this reality of who we were. Always enter into this common life together, humbled. But always also enter into, into this life together, um, with our eyes fixed on Christ and what He has done and what He has accomplished to receive that and to live it out and to come together as God's people. That's hard now, isn't it? We can't do it physically, but uh, God willing, soon we will be able to. But to come together in any way that we can as God's people, even like this online, and to do that knowing the reality of who we now are in Christ, this glorious, amazing reality that we are brought right into the heart of things and that we are this temple, this witness to the world of the one place where true reconciliation can happen, true, eternal, transforming unity. I want to read a story, uh, just a a brief account uh, of a German theologian who uh, was visiting South Africa in the height of apartheid. And he tells the story of uh, going to visit a, a Herero tribe. And um, in the course of his um, sort of visiting them, they, there was no, there were, so many walls were put up. There were walls left, right and center, <laughs> relational walls. Couldn't speak the same language, anything like that. But as soon as this theologian mentioned the name of Jesus, their faces lit up, the faces of these Herrera tribesmen lit up, and they shared in the Lord's Supper together. And he, uh, this, uh, he writes this about the experience. We had never seen each other before. We were separated by social, geographical, and cultural barriers. And yet we were enclosed by arms that were not of this world separated by all these barriers and yet we were enclosed by arms that were not of this world. These are the arms of Christ that enclose all of those who come to him in faith and bind us together, not only united to God in him, but united to one another. Uh, That's the great, amazing news of this passage. Uh, That's what we're called to live out and maintain. So let me pray that God will help us to do that. Let's pray. Our God, Uh, We thank you so much for the precious work that you have done for us in Christ. We thank you that he is our peace. Lord, help us to remember the hopeless state of our lives before him and outside of him. Thank you for your grace to us in him and bringing us close to you and close to one another. Lord, keep us from building walls that Jesus has torn down. Uh, We pray, Lord, for your help in maintaining this unity that you have accomplished Uh, even at the cost of Jesus' life. Uh, We thank you for the love you have poured out on us and we pray that you'll enable us to love one another in this way. In Jesus' name, Amen.